guys. This is the Atlas Podcast, and my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief of Fanbolt. And uh, my name is Shakai Mickelson, uh, Creative Director at Atlanta Movie Tours. And this is our big episode 11. Number 11, that's one that looks the same in a mirror, depending on the font. <laughs> Depending like, on the font. Yeah. This? You know, because like yeah, there's no, a, they look, both numbers look the same unless it's a font where they don't. So. Yeah. I, okay. Well, 11 <laughs> is off to a wonderful start. <laughs> Strong intro. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, we actually do have a really good show today, though. Uh, we've got some interesting box office results from the weekend, uh, reviews of Popstar and Me Before You. An interview with uh, Power Star uh, Charlto Copley. Notice how I got his name right. Well done. We're off to a strong start here because normally I'm butchering names right and left. That's our thing. <laughs> That's our thing. Yes. That's our thing. Um, starting with some some kind of fun local stuff. Uh, this weekend was the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival. It was their sixth year. That's and, right. And um, they actually moved to Piedmont Park this year, and it was pretty awesome. The weather was was actually perfect. Uh, it, it was supposed to rain and it didn't. And it was the the cloud coverage was nice and everything. Oh my God. I was there on Saturday and uh, with my friend, Jen, who writes with FanBolt as well. And we had a blast. What was really amazing was the emphasis on bourbon this year. Oh like, yeah. And of course me being the bourbon girl, I was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. How, how was your Sunday after a Saturday of bourbon? Uh, I worked for 15 hours on Sunday just oh. playing catch up. So it was kind of anticlimactic in, in comparison. Um, but what is really kind of sad, and this makes it sound like I partied really hard at the, the festival, which was not the case. Um, I was asleep by seven on Saturday night. <laughs> I was just so exhausted. And we had actually, we had gotten our times mixed up and we had gotten to the festival way early accidentally we we walked there from from my place and had walked like six miles it was like 90 degrees it was way too early and so we were already like dead tired before it even started and then of course we we took the shuttle back over there but um and then it was great the weather was perfect once it actually started we just we were a little premature on getting there like we got there at 10 a.m and it didn't start until 2 30. oh wow man you really wanted some bourbon yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was really great. The food was incredible. Um, it was really cool that they they don't just highlight food from Atlanta. It's um, food from southern regions in general. So not only from the southeast, but also other parts of the world. Um, you know, southern regions of of other countries. So it's it was a great selection of food. Um, a lot of amazing wines, and of course, uh, you know, uh, bourbon was was well represented. I almost want to say it was more represented at least in the tasting tents than wine was or that may have just been my path through the food tents. <laughs> nice. But well, um was, yeah. <laughs> was this the festival that had the uh the the um the, the pop-up vineyards? Yes, the pop-up vineyard which is uh it's still open until June 30th over on 14th Street. It's kind of roughly across the street from uh the Four Seasons Hotel over there. Gotcha. And they're going to be doing a couple events a week there and then in, just in general you can go and and check it out. It's open. 
Um, but you can check out their, their website and their Facebook page for Atlanta Food and Wine Festival for, for more details on the pop-up vineyard. Uh, but that's the first pop-up vineyard in the United States. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool right here in the Atlanta. It's weird to see a vineyard with a bunch of skyscrapers around it, but I really dig it. <laughs> it's really cool. I wish it was going to be a permanent thing. Like I just, it was really cool. Yeah, I, I just seriously closed my eyes trying to picture that. And that's, uh, you do not see that. No. Yeah. So there, there you go. Just to reiterate what you already said. Well, well, while you were enjoying uh, bourbon and wine and vineyards by the city, I, we had our baby shower on Saturday. Oh, yeah. How was it? It was, uh, you know, it was actually a lot of fun. It was great to see people. Like, it's, it's weird because I am not, I'm actually like a horrible receiver of gifts. I get very awkward. So, so the fact that the entire situation, exists so people give us <laughs> gifts is kind of like it was kind of a weirdly stressful thing but uh our friends who hosted it it was it was awesome and and, and same thing we uh it was, it was a backyard thing and checking the weather before it was like oh boy but uh it ended up being a great day and uh my friend uh brews beer and uh he doesn't exactly brew Michelob Ultra out there so it was easy to get it got a little fuzzy not gonna got a little fuzzy there for a while, but it, it was it was a great time and um, it was really cool to spend time with friends and family. Mandy's parents came down from uh, Connecticut, so it was uh, it was a nice family affair, and that makes it very real now that uh, this little person has clothing. Aww. Yeah, it's uh, very real now. More and what, more. What was your favorite uh, present that you got? Oh, you know, uh, Mandy's parents. See, this is, this is not fair, but Mandy's parents did this thing where they, uh, put all kinds of little clothes and things on a clothesline. And, and you, as you pull it out, you see all this stuff attached to the clothesline and just the overall presentation and just kind of seeing all of it hanging. We've, we've, we're actually, you know, uh, staying in a hotel right now. So, uh, my, my tour of not in the closet continues and we've got them hung up in our hotel room. So I'm looking at them now and, uh, it's very real to see, like 15 outfits hanging. So just this entire thing, I think, is kind of my favorite because it it's wow. There's going to be a person living in these clothes. I, I can't wrap my brain around that. So. So, yeah. And also a uh, good beer. Very good beer. So it's uh, <laughs> two highlights from the baby shower. I love it. That's right. Friends, family, <laughs> beer and holy cow. There's a new person coming. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. How uh, how much longer do you guys have? Seven uh, seventeen is the due date, so it's uh, it's coming on pretty quick here. Oh, that's exciting! I'm gonna be I'm gonna be at Comic Con that week, but I'm gonna be keeping up with anything that I don't even know how I'm gonna know when you guys when you guys have your little one. Maybe <laughs> Carrie will tell me. Yeah, Carrie, <laughs> Carrie will probably tell me, but there's a pretty good chance you'll you'll get an obnoxious text from me. <laughs> Don't just make, do not eat any hard boiled eggs while you're at Comic Con. Just in case. I remember that. Was yeah. that was like episode three? Episode <laughs> yes. Four? The, yeah. the, we should have a, we should have a best of neighborhood or <laughs> we should. best of neighborhood. I just called episode neighborhood. Hi. Something is not right. <laughs> Good Lord. It's that beer from Saturday that it you had. It's still hanging in there. Must be. Those words aren't even related. All right. So, so that's that's what's going on. So lots of fun stuff. Uh, cool. So I did not see any movies, but other people did. Yes. Yes. Um, but not that many people, actually. It was a horrible weekend for the box office. <laughs> um, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, came in first, but that's really not saying anything. Uh, it took in $35.3 million, which was 40% less than the opening weekend of the 2014 movie. Wow. And just to kind of put that into perspective for you guys, it was um, the, the budget for this one was actually $10 million higher than the previous film. So the budget was, the total budget was $135. So $135 million and it's not looking... I mean, it's still expected to do a little bit better overseas, but it's not looking very great for domestic. Right, right. Well, I, I'm just going to throw it in. Uh, we talk about puppets many times, Muppets, whatever. I'm still a fan of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I still argue that those puppets are freaking amazing. Okay, we can move on. I Same page. Same page. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Um, second place went to X-Men Apocalypse, which brought in $22.3 million this weekend, which dropped 66% from opening weekend, which was last weekend. Um, it has made $178 million so far, and it's only expected to... Um, oh, excuse me. Wait, $78 million. I think I got a little... Yep, got that wrong. <laughs> $78 million. I need to make a note on FanFold. Um, but it's only expected to gross $165 million domestically during its theater, theater run. Oh, wow. Um, and so, you know, we kind of talked last week about how uh, Alistair the Looking Glass, which came in fourth this week with only $10.6 million, uh, and it, too, dropping, dropping 60% from opening weekend, you know, kind of some theories as to why that might have happened. And there's been a little bit of controversy behind X-Men with the, the poster um, that was seen with um, Oscar Isaac's character, you know, strangling uh, Jennifer Lawrence's uh, mystique and with, with the caption that only the strong will survive. And that has caused, you know, a lot of controversy and, and some fans to protest the film. And even uh, even Rose McGowan spoke out on it saying, um, quote, there is a major problem when the men and women at 20th Century Fox think casual violence against women is the way to market a film. There is no context in the ad, just a woman getting strangled. The fact that no one flagged this is offensive and frankly stupid. And the studio went on to issue a formal apology last Friday, stating that in our enthusiasm to show uh, the villainy of the character Apocalypse, we didn't immediately recognize the upsetting connotation of this image in print form. Once we realized how insensitive it was, we quickly took steps to remove those materials. We apologize for our actions and would never condone violence against women. Um, so that's kind of, I, again, you know, it's hard to tell how much of an effect on box office numbers, you know, these, these kind of things actually have. Um, but it's definitely not doing as well as other Marvel films have. So there is that. Um, I, I also heard it wasn't as great as a lot of people thought it was going to be. I haven't actually seen it, so I can't comment on that. But um, I haven't heard great, great things about it. Yeah, that's, you know, because I, uh, uh, we talked about this in one of the cosplays, because one of my favorite comic book movies of all time is X-Men First Class. Mm. So, like, Fassbender and everything in that film, I just loved it. So, I like, it's, it's, it's a bummer if this kind of iteration of this franchise kind of whimpers, because holy talent yeah. on that cast, you know? You know, it's not been a strong year so far for sequels, um, you know, kind of, I mean, with the exception of, of Captain America and, and all of the right. movies kind of in, in the Avengers lineup. But, um, you know, uh, Ninja Turtles not doing well, the Alistair Looking Glass not doing well, this X-Men not doing well. And there's been talk that, you know, it's, 
it's they're already kind of anticipating what that's going to end up looking like for the new Independence Day, and and if that's going to do well, or if people are just kind of tired of sequels, um, which I don't necessarily think is the case. I I just think it's this hasn't been great material so far, you know. Well, it's a, people- it's, it's a, you know we're just obviously uh, hypotheticals, but it's all come at you so fast. It, has. it was like it was like Batman, Superman. It was. Uh, uh, Captain America, and then right, like Captain America, you didn't even finish chewing that mouthful of food when X Men Apocalypse was coming. Right. You know, there's there's only so much you can eat at an all you can eat buffet before you have to go home and sleep <laughs> between meals. So no, it's uh, it's interesting, but I, I would still like to see X Men Apocalypse. I just haven't yet because I actually also really liked uh, the X Men Time one too. Right. Right. Uh, well, coming in third at the box office this weekend was Amelia Clark's new film, Me Before You, which uh, debuted with $18 million, but uh, they had a $20 million production budget, and they've already made $26 million worldwide, so that's already con- being considered a success. And I yeah. actually really liked it. I know we had kind of talked about this last week. It didn't have a, a fantastic score on Rotten Tomatoes before it actually came out, but I actually really, really liked it, and I would venture to say... If you like the notebook, you will definitely like like this. It, it, it does feel very much like a kind of notebooky film. Ah, well, that was that was your call before you saw it. So that's it cool that that came to fruition. So that came in third. Fourth. That came in third. Yep. And then, of course, Alistair the Looking Glass was in fourth, and then Angry Birds still hanging in there. They brought in nine point seven million in its fifth week. Wow. Or not fifth week? Excuse me. Came in fifth. Yeah. With nice. Nine point seven million. Yeah. Nice. Well, so I guess, uh, well, that leads us right in because I like, frankly, I'm excited that, I mean, I know it's not huge numbers, but it's a low budget film. Uh, it's not, uh, doesn't have any superheroes in it and it's actually making a little bit of money. So maybe that's a great segue to actually uh, do the review. I love it. I love it. And, and I should note that even though it doesn't have a comic book character in it, it's got Game of Thrones star Amelia Clark in it. So it's like know, the same thing. It's pretty much the same, the same thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let me give you guys a little bit of background on the story. It's adapted from the best-selling novel by Jojo Mose, and it tells the story of the unexpected relationship that blossoms between a content small-town English woman, played by Amelia Clark, and the wealthy, paralyzed Londoner, played by Sam Claflin, who hires her as his, caretake, eh, as his caretaker. And uh, it's... It is very much a, a notebook-esque film. They don't necessarily like each other in the beginning, but, you know, as as time passes and they get to know each other, there is definitely a little something-something there that blossoms. Hmm. And it is heartwarming. And it's a really, you know, there's some controversy with this film, too, and especially the ending, which I won't give away what happens. But um, I think a lot of people think that the the controversy is surrounding the the way he's portrayed um, with, you know, being paralyzed and, and with his disability. Um, but I think it's more referring to how the film ends. It's a, a very controversial kind of topic. Gotcha. Um, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. I will say um, I loved it. Yeah. So let's, let's start out with let's, our, our let's, scoring. Let's jump in. So uh, obviously from the top boredom gauge, five being really boring. I was never bored. 
Oh, wow. You said that with a huge smile on your face, too. Yeah, because the lead guy's hot. (laughs) The lead guy's hot, and um, Amelia Clark's character is always wearing these ridiculously cute vintage outfits, and it's just like there's eye candy on the screen the entire time. You can't get bored. Nice. Okay. Well, that's... uh, So so what's the number? Um, I'll say one. One. All right. Okay. So didn't quite get zero. But I liked it. Uh, Good-looking men and nice outfits. Keep you engaged. <laughs> Apparently, uh, that's all it takes. <laughs> so, so from an eye rolling perspective, one to five, were you rolling your eyes on this? You know what? I was too busy crying to roll my. Oh eyes. wow! <laughs> no, it's so funny because I have never cried like that in public before, outside of like a funeral or something like horrific happening. Um, that was pretty, pretty intense, like ugly cry. I had going on. Um, so on the cry factor, I'm going to give it a four. And on the eye rolling, uh, I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a two. All right. Well, that's that's uh, that's pretty good. I actually imagine rolling eyes covered in tears. And even that in my own <laughs> mind kind of looks like fun. I, next time uh, Mandy cries in tears of joy, I'm going to ask her to roll her eyes just to see what it looks like. <laughs> do it yeah um all right so uh i guess no uh georgia recognition factor in this film um, nope. no no uh, but you're you're giving it high marks so best performance i'm gonna have to go with amelia clark on that one her eyebrows um and i don't think you you fully you fully see kind of this extent of her her acting abilities i mean of course she's amazing in game of thrones don't get me wrong she's right one of my favorite characters. Um, but she's so, her, her facial expressions are just so, so vivid. And she's just so expressive in this film that I have to give it to her. She, she conveys so much with just a look. Yeah, she's good. When I first saw that she was going to be in the Terminator movie from afar, I'm like, good call. And then that movie wasn't good. And I'm taking us off the rails again. But uh, I am a fan of this woman as a performer. Absolutely. Yeah, she's she's great, and 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 Sam Coughlin in it was a was great too. Um, but she was she was just fantastic. And and on that note, again, I feel like I've done this a couple weeks in a row, but there wasn't really a bad performance or or nothing that stuck out as as painful. This is you know this doesn't fit. Um, her her boyfriend in the film, um, uh, Millie Clark plays a character, uh, Louisa Liu. Uh, she, she has a boyfriend who's a little bit of a, he's just, he's not a good fit for her. They don't need to be together. They are very, very different people. Um, so I didn't like his character, but that being said, you weren't supposed to like his character. And so he did a a good job at performing that, but right. Yeah, not really any bad performances. So no bad. That, that's always a good sign. That's always a good sign. So overall, the moment of truth, what was this film? I'm going to give it a 3.5 because I don't think it was, it wasn't epic good, but I think, again, if you like The Notebook, if you like sappy romantic movies, in, in that note it is. It's totally a five in, in, in that book. But overall, in comparison to the general somatic landscape, we'll give it a 3.5. Nice. Well, I like it because I was actually looking up the film and it was, uh, the novel was written by Jojo Moyes and I'm probably saying that name wrong because it's what we do. But yep. I also <laughs> noticed that the, the screenplay was also by her as well. So right. that's pretty rare that both the book and the screenplay are written by the same person. That could either be a disaster or be good. 
I think it was good. You know, I've I've read the book, and there was definitely some parts that were not included from the book. But I I think that it was、uh, the decisions were well made, and the things that were left out. I think、uh, I think it's it was good for the film that they were left out. Ah, very cool. So it is an at. Oh gosh, at 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 all. I don't know how to do a three point five. But I yeah, I love messing you up with. The I、hats. know, and it's it's <laughs> seriously it keeps me up at night. How do you say half an L? It's impossible. So it's an at till. Uh, There you go. No, that was good. Yeah, just it was like a, it's like an addle with a,、uh, a stutter on the reverse end of the word. It's perfect.、Um, well, that's great. Okay, cool. Well, so so completely contradictory to that、yes. is another film, Pop Star, starring Andy, Andy Samberg, Samberg and his、yeah. posse of misfits. Yeah. So、um, a little bit of background on this, if you haven't seen、uh, haven't seen the commercial or the trailers for it,、um, Pop Star tagline: Never stop, never stopping. Which is, is awesome, by the way. <laughs> I know. Just saying.、Um, of course, Andy Sandberg and the rest of the、uh, the crew that is collectively known as the Lonely Island.、Uh, the comedy goes behind the scenes as singer slash rapper Connor for Real, played by Sandberg. Faces a crisis of popularity after his sophomore album flops, leaving his fans and all of his rivals wondering what to do when he's no longer the dopest star of all. <laughs>、um, and of course, it's produced by Judd Apatow and、uh, co-stars Sarah Silverman, Tim Meadows, Maya Rudolph, and there's just there's so many celebrity、uh, celebrity appearances in this. It's it's so great. Like I loved it.、Um, My, I had I had some fellow movie critics who were not so so thrilled on it, and but we all kind of said the same thing. It was kind of like one big long Lonely Island skit. So、right. if you like that kind of comedy, then you're probably going to like this. I mean, there's a lot of music videos, a lot of songs, a lot of you know.、Uh, it it really does feel like one long SNL skit of theirs. Well, the, these guys, because、uh, like him,、uh, Akiva Schaefer, probably saying the name wrong, and Jorma Tacone, probably saying the name wrong. Those guys have been down forever, and I kind of feel like they were like YouTube guys before there was a YouTube, because they did all these amazing old school videos. And the first one that I think really hit was、uh, the Chronic、uh, Lazy Sunday in 2005. They did that sketch on SNL about the Chronic What Coals of Narnia. You remember? That? No, I don't. Oh that my goodness! <laughs> oh, that is such a classic with him and uh, uh, Sandberg and Parnell. I'm、uh, making a note to check that out now. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to YouTube that right away. I actually、uh, looked it up because I couldn't remember exactly how it went. I was watching it earlier today. Like, man, this is good stuff. It, 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 so I kind of, and that's again, that was before YouTube really became a thing. And then、uh, in 2007, they did a movie called Hot Rod, which right? Did you see that one? I did see that one. See, that was in the same category for me. I saw the previews. I'm like, that looks dumb. Then I saw it and loved it. I, I laughed heartily at that film. It was good. It、yeah. was good. It's definitely. I mean, you have to know what you're going into. Oh yeah. With any of their stuff, if if you don't like that kind of humor and you don't like them, then yeah, you're not gonna like it. Exactly. Exactly. So it's almost like to categorize it, almost like you did. If you like in the category of notebook movies. It's 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 like a pure five. What you're talking about me before、exactly. you, you, but but this film, I almost feel like the same thing. Like if, if you're in this kind of brand of weird, off, off center comedy, then this view. Okay, so wow, well, I like how deep into it we're getting. We haven't even reviewed the film yet. <laughs> so、uh, boredom factor one to five, five being. I wasn't bored at all.、Um, I'll, I'll give it a one. Nice. One for boredom. Nice. Okay, one for boredom. Okay, so this one, I'm scared of this one. Eye rolling, eye、oh, rolling factor. Eye rolling. Yeah, no, there, there definitely was a lot.、Uh, 
I'm going to give it a four on the eye rolling scale. That's a high score. Now is a high it, score. But was it like four? Ha ha! Funny or four? Are you kidding me? It was a mixture of both. Okay. All right. Yeah, mixture of both. That makes sense given the film. I like that. Yeah. I'm like I'm like leading the witness. Like <laughs> you know, I'm like you giving, totally are. I'm, no, I'm, you're <laughs> totally, totally on track. Totally giving the the movie a, a way out. Um, uh, best performance. Oh, Andy Samberg, definitely. Definitely Andy Samberg. Um, but you know what? Tim Meadows was really great, too. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Andy Samberg. This Samberg, it's difficult to not like yeah. Andy Samberg. He has a fascinating... This is going to sound really weird, but he has a fascinating mouth. The way he articulates his mouth when he talks. He's got... Because he's got a big mouth. I always end up finding myself... Watching that's weird. That's a weird thing yeah, to admit. That's a weird thing to say. But now I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and watch some of his stuff and watch his mouth. He's got his. <laughs> he's got like a very like this is real. He's got like a very puppety mouth. In fact, I talked about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle puppets before. Andy Samberg has the same mouth as those Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle puppets that were ran by electronics. All right, so let's move on. Let's move away from this and never speak of this again. Um, I'm learning so much about you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was it? Was there a bad performance in it? Um, not anything that stuck out as like a bad performance. I mean, there there's definitely some over the top characters, but you know they're supposed to be over the top. So again, nothing that really stuck out as somebody doing not not doing what they were expected to do in their role. Right. Um. So yeah, nothing really stuck out to me as a bad performance. All right. Well, uh, moment of truth. Uh, what is the full Atlas review? On this film. Final score. I'm going to give it a three out of a five. Oh, gosh. It did a half point less than me before you. Okay, well, at least I can say addle. That's a little easier. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right, well, I think that's fair. It's still a film that I want to see because I am totally a fanboy of those guys if it doesn't show. Uh, So, all right, I'll I'll take an addle. Would you see it it again? I would probably see it again. You know, it's it's that kind of um, documentary style that's in the same kind of feel of like The Office or Parks and Rec where, uh, you know, they're talking to the audience so much through it. And it's just I love that. I love that style. Um, so I think that mixed with their, you know, their kind of more traditional comedy style that they do and what they're known for. It was just a it was a really nice blend. Nice. All right. Well, it's it's definitely one that's going to uh, remain on my list to uh, watch. So there you have it. All right, we got an Atola <laughs> and an Atol. <laughs> Let me get this figured out before you know it. Then we're going to trademark all these things and make ten dollars. Yep. Um, <laughs> big money. All right, so so that's that. And then, uh, well, I guess we can kind of transition into what was happening around town, which includes uh, a show actually filmed in Atlanta. Yes, Powers. Powers. Um, Powers, which uh, I'll give you a little bit of backstory on it. It's a, uh, a, a streams online through the Sony PlayStation. You can get it on the PlayStation Store. Um, it's based on the series adaptation of the Powers comic book series by Brian Michael Bendis, and it's published by Marvel Comics under their Icon Comics imprint. Um, the, it was actually the PlayStation Network's first original scripted first original uh, yeah yeah first original scripted program which premiered in uh march of 2015 
And the, the outline of the story is, in a world where humans and superheroes called powers coexist, a former power, Christian Walker, which uh, is played by Charlito Copley, uh, has in- reinvented himself as a homicide detective after his own powers were taken from him. He and his partner, Deanna Pilgrim, work in a special police department called the Powers Division, which investigates crimes involving superhumans who are at once... Uh, crime-fighting heroes and pop celebrities managed by specialized advertising agencies. And it's really, um, if you haven't seen the show, it is kind of difficult to access, which kind of sucks. I wish that it was a little bit easier for people that don't own PlayStations to, to see. And yeah. I think they're still, they might still be working on some additional venues for, for people to, to see it on. Um, it, it looks great. Like the series is, uh, visually, it's a stunning series. It's a great cast. It's a great story. I mean, Brian Michael Bendis is everything he touches is awesome. I mean, Jessica Jones, yeah, one of, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Um, so if you like that, you would definitely like this, and it's it's so well done, but it's just not um, overly accessible to people. Uh, but it's great, it's great, and it films here in Georgia. And I visited set probably three times during season two, um, two times last fall, three no three times last fall. So. Um, yeah, they, they filmed all over the place. I was at their sound stages and I was at, uh, they filmed at, um, Oglethorpe University when they did the unveiling of the new retro girl, which I guess if you've seen the trailer for season two, that's not a surprise or a spoiler anymore who that character is. Right. Um, but in case you haven't, I won't say who it is. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can watch the trailer right you after watch you watch Lazy Sunday with Chris Parnell and Andy Samberg. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I, for one, am a huge uh, fan of Charlto. Is it Charlto or Sh- uh, Charlto or Charito? I call him Charlto. Charlto. Okay. And to see, okay, now for every, people listening, it's cool because you know what my name is, which is Yukai. Nobody says that right the first time they read it. So it's, it's my give, it's my way of giving back saying <laughs> names wrong. So, so nobody get mad. Um, but I'm, that guy, uh, District Nine was, that movie just blew me away when I saw it. And I'd yeah. never seen Charlto before that. And I just left that movie like, that guy is so good. Totally a fanboy for this guy. You got to talk to him though. I did. I did. I've, I've gotten to talk to him a couple of times. I got to talk to him in, uh, in, in season one too. Um, he's just, um, he's South African. So he's got an amazing accent and he is one of the most charming guys that I've, I've interviewed. Um, kind of a, fu- a fun story with these, with these audio interviews. Um, I think he is the only one that I can recall that we had to do audio interviews with on set. Everyone else we were able to do video interviews with. And the reason being that he was, I think the first time around, he was a little bruised up from a scene. And the second time around, he had had a rather intimate scene with a uh, special guest star that is on the series uh, this season. And he had some scratch marks on him. And I'll just, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I don't want to say anything that, that spoils anything or, get, or gets me in trouble. Um, but uh, yeah, so we weren't allowed to video it because it would be considered a, a spoiler. That's really funny. So you, you just have to imagine, you know, him being super charming and attractive while listening to, to these audio clips that we have um, from when I interviewed him. All right. Well, uh, this is a uh, question number one from Emma Loggins and Charto Copley. What can you kind of tease as far as where the season's going to pick up with Walker and, and what your arc is going to be? 
Very little, but I, I, I will say it's, it's, um, it's starting to get closer and closer to the comics, you know, which is, which is cool. Yeah. It's okay. I didn't really expand a lot on that one for you. No, he wouldn't give me much um, because the Sony PR person wouldn't let him give me <laughs> too much. So there was that. They they were able to tease a little bit in terms of the tone of the series. It's going to be a little bit darker. Um, it's definitely darker. And as he said, it is more true to the comics. They actually didn't let him read the comics in season one because they were going to try to do something a little bit kind of different from, from what they did there. And in season two, he was actually able to read the comics and became a huge fan of the series. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Okay, and then I like that you asked this question. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what it's been like for you filming in Atlanta and maybe anything that you've done um, on your personal time that you've really loved about the city? Um, actually, funny enough, this year also, just I'm, I'm living in a different area, which is really nice. The last time I was living in a hotel, so I'm living in a house, you know, in a really nice neighborhood in a forest, which is incredible. So I get to come home and, and have a sort of normal life. And... Um, started to explore and because I didn't get out much last year and this year I was like you know what I'm not just going to be in the hotel room and working so we went up to um, uh, Lake Lanier which is nearby which was really awesome and uh, spent a day on boats and jet skis up there and I went to Savannah which is a nearby town Um, go cycling in Piedmont Park so there's a lot of stuff that's uh, that I'm enjoying this time around Backtracking a little bit. Uh, and I have to say, the people are quite amazing uh, in Atlanta. I really find the people, you know, the general sort of friendliness on average compared to what I'm used to like in L.A. The Not to dis L.A. Yeah, it does <laughs> exist. It's, it's, it's actually real. Yeah. So it does totally exist. It does. I mean, especially in comparison to L.A. You go out to L.A. and everyone, I feel like, has that kind of mentality of, what can you do for me? Whereas in Atlanta, it's like, what can we do for you? Well, it's it's a little bit of two things because uh, I used to live right there in L.A., right in West Hollywood, and I went back to visit after I lived here for about a year, and I was actually staying uh, in my former neighborhood, but I was on the sidewalk, and a woman was walking her dog, and I'm like, hey, how are you? You know, which I do in Atlanta, and people uh, say hello back to you, and it's not weird. And this woman, like, she looked like I was going to attack her. She was so freaked out by me. And I was like, what is going on? Oh, I am not in Atlanta right now. So it's very true. You do not say hello to strangers in that town. That's just sad. Unless like, that you're... That makes me... That's... I don't know. Drunk at a bar. Yeah, no, it's it's true. <laughs> I felt I felt bad about it. But then, but you know, it's like a weird thing. I'm like, why? What? Like, it's like, am I wearing something offensive? Nope, nope, nope. I'm in Los you're Angeles. You're just talking to a stranger. That's all you're doing. <laughs> That's right. How dare I say hello? Um, so, yeah, but he's totally right. So I think it's funny that he actually made a direct comparison to Los Angeles. You know, it's funny, too. Uh, he mentioned cycling in Piedmont Park. That's kind of a reoccurring thing that I've heard. When, that's a question I always ask. Um, you know, anyone that I interview that films here is, you know, what they like to do, what they've loved about the city, how the experience has been for them. And I would say about 90% of the people that I've interviewed that film here talk about hanging out in Piedmont Park or going on runs in Piedmont Park or, you know, cycling through Piedmont Park or the yeah. Beltline. Or, um, so they're, they're all out here in Midtown, you know, on the weekends, kind of exploring the city. And I think that that's, that's super cool that they're, they're getting out and kind of seeing some of what the city has to offer. Well, getting out in the mix a little bit. And it's really cool that the Beltline kind of now gives that opportunity to explore. 
in right. in a way that didn't used to exist in the city. So I, I think that's really, really cool. And one, one last note I just want to bring up about like kind of the Los Angeles Atlanta thing. Um, a, a friend of mine actually named Christopher Bro, uh, has been a dolly grip on powers. He was working, I think, uh, he actually finished up season two, which I think finished shooting last year, right? Did it finish shooting last year or this year? It was either the end of last year or the very beginning of this year. Yeah. I think they were they were done pretty early. Yeah, it was right it was right on the cusp. But but I was I was talking to him cuz he said he worked on a set here a few years back. Uh, after working for years in Atlanta or in uh, Los Angeles, he worked on Castle and he, he's got a pretty substantial resume of work that he's done. He's been in the industry for a long time behind the scenes. Um and he said the first time he came out here quite a few years back like Atlanta was not up to snuff. But then when he was working on Powers it felt like a real set, like everybody was was on it and it was a good team. And so I, I also thought that was a cool thing to hear. And I may have actually talked about that indirectly before on this show, but just given that it was powers and everything else, I want to talk about it specifically that, you know, Atlanta continues to grow leaps and bounds as an actual production destination and not quite being a hobby, if that makes any sense. Definitely, definitely. And it's, uh, again, I mean, powers, it's not something that's, easily accessible by all unless you have the you know have the playstation and right. can, can access it on there but the production value is incredible and the budget was incredible and every time i go to set this is kind of like an ongoing joke with uh me and some of my media friends but we always kind of you know gossip about sets and they're they're crafty we'll we'll judge a set by their crafty which is their crafts and services <laughs> and um powers had really good crafty their their lunch was incredible it was can't remember exactly what I ate there when I was there, but I remember being like, this is really good. It was like a good blend of like tasty and healthy. Nice. And normally it's just like you'll go on sets and it'll be like really, really healthy. And you're just like, oh, this is <laughs> like broiled fish and like rice and like nothing that has any sort of flavor to it right. because all the actors have to like keep their, their abs yeah. like all in great shape and yeah. and whatnot. But um, that being said, Vampire Diaries had some amazing cookies. They have my my favorite cookies <laughs> nice. of all the sets I've been on. That's I, there should be a blog about uh, who's got the best set food, and then that right? will be yeah. That's that's yep. that's really funny to me. <laughs> no more broccoli. There's an alarming lack of grilled cheese sandwiches here on the set of Captain America: Civil War. You know, I will say, out of every set that I've been on, there's an alarming uh, lack of grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just seems ridiculous. Yeah, no, they should be every. That's right. Yeah, but that's um, so Power Season 2 is now available and you can check that online. Of course, if you don't have the network, um, you can actually can you can still see Episode 1 of Season 1 for free on YouTube if you want to kind of check it out and get a feel for what it's like. Actually, I see that uh, Season 2 Episode 1 is also available on YouTube. Well, there you go. So you can watch the first two episodes (laughs) and fill out the rest in your brain or get a PlayStation. Exactly. Exactly. It's a good it's a good reason to justify doing it in my mind. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I concur. Um, we do have some cool stuff coming up for you guys next week. Uh, I'm going to be checking out a screening of The Conjuring 2 tonight. So we'll have a review of that next week. And then I am headed off to Austin, Texas for the Austin Television Experience. It is going to be the West Ring reunion panel. 
and there's going Ooh. to be um, an OC writers reunion panel um, and a bunch of other series that presents there too, um, including Powers. Actually, I'm going to have a one-on-one interview with uh, Brian Michael Bendis um, and be talking to him a little bit about Powers and Jessica Jones. Uh, so I should have that next week, Ooh. and then hopefully some some really cool stories and just random things that happened at after parties and and just bars and all that kind of fun stuff in Austin. So high expectations for good stories. Nice. I like <laughs> to picture you taking notes while you're under the influence, just so you don't forget what's happening. Exactly. You're a exactly. you're a true, a true committed professional. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm committed. Uh, and on that note, too, I want to go ahead and kind of pre-tease June 16th, Thursday night, Project Cosplay. It's going to be alien-themed this month. And um, in, in honor of Independence Day's uh, resurgence, which, of course, is coming out later this month. And there's going to be a really cool twist this month. So you guys want to be there. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's awesome. And it's alien-themed, and I love aliens, and I'm coming in cosplay, so I'm Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there for this one. So Good. there's another gigantic reason to come to Project Cosplay. People should be sold. Yes, right now. <laughs> That's all done. they should need. <laughs> I'm going to dress like an alien and also me. That is winning. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's June 16th, 9 p.m., uh, Joystick Game Bar on Edgewood Avenue. And uh, I do recommend getting there a little bit earlier. We may have a slightly different setup this month, so uh, definitely arrive early so you can be sure to grab a drink and grab a seat before we get started. Uh, but that's all we have for this week. Well, that's everything. That's everything, and that's all. Aww. Yeah. Aww. Until next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening again my name is Emma Loggins I'm editor-in-chief at Fanball uh, my name is Jukai Mickelson I'm the creative director of Atlanta Movie Tours and we'll see you next week we will also see you next week we'll see you next week